0: All right, Canada, Great Britain, World Baseball Classic on Sunday. By the way, as if you didn't know, this is the fan drive time. Sports time five ninety of the fan. Ben Ennis and Blake Murphy. And uh yeah. It's like uh Trace Thompson, Vance Warley are the only guys that I'm familiar with uh their work on Team Great Britain, um, as far as their, their major league resume and the list is not all that much longer with the Canadian national team and a couple of guys whose How name you? <laughs> whose name you, you might recognize. It's been a it's been a moment, you know, since Filippo Mall uh, pitched uh, in and around Major League Baseball. Been a moment since Adam Lowen pitched uh, in don't, and around Major League Baseball. Don't and do hit. what you're gonna do.
1: What you come for my guy Axford after
0: that? As you assail, every... it hasn't been that long since John Axford was in affiliated baseball. Honestly, was it last year? Yeah, uh, the year before. I don't know. That was also
1: the case for Philippe Owen. Yeah, okay. He was in Jay's spring training in the, the pandemic year.
0: Yeah, that's twenty twenty. That is not very long ago. I don't know. It feels like forever ago. Um, but yeah, since then he's been working on farm. He has been playing pickup hockey yeah. he's been- <laughs> to, to poor results. <laughs> he's been getting in fights, he's been breaking his tailbone. Uh, but he's been working his tailbone off to get back into fe- wow. physical uh, shape for the World Baseball Classic. There's also, like, some some real Major League Baseball players here, like Cal Quantrill, and, and there's some guys that, you know, that, that we would have liked to have seen, but because of reasons out of their control uh, are not on this team. Like Josh Naylor, you know, he's coming off an injury-plagued year. Jordan Romano, I think, did the uh, pretty respectable thing. Said, I'm not going go to go to to play for Team Italy because it's too far and and there's too much at stake for this regular season. And if I'm not going to play for Team Italy, a team that I've committed to, I'm not just going to flip flop and and pitch for Team Canada. I get did, that. Did you mention
1: Graham Spraker by the way on the Great Britain team?
0: No. Okay. Sorry. Uh,
1: he was a Jay's farmhand as recently as last year, like two years. No of, offense. Two years ago, he was Sorry. a guy that like was being kicked around. Of should they protect him on the forty man? And then he had a, an ERA of five at AAA last year. But he he will be there for Great Britain looking for his revenge against uh-huh. Otto Lopez and DeSan Brown and um, who's he? I feel bad. I always forget uh, Palmagiani's first name. Da- Damiano. Damiano. Yeah.
0: Who is, I mean, probably could pitch for Team Italy. I have no idea about his heritage, but all you need to do is have a name. Like, I don't know. Yeah, that's, keep, that sounds pretty <laughs> Team Italy-like, but yeah.
1: Yeah, I guess so. I mean, I, I keep saying his name, like, not only on the air, but in conversation where people are going to think his name is Paul Megiani.
0: Yeah. yeah, Paul Meggiani. No. And he was born in in Venezuela. So yeah, like a lot of uh, allegiances potentially for the World Baseball Classic. Again, we go back to how you're uh
1: allied with the Netherlands team. You're a hardballer right. despite having no roots whatsoever. But I just
0: like the hat. Yeah.
1: That, that's which enough. Is, which is as close as Trace Thompson is to being uh
0: British as well. So Yeah. All right. Uh Shy Divini. Uh, Died in the wool Canadian. He is in Arizona, getting ready for Canada's WBC opener against Great Britain on Sunday. He joins us right now. How's it going, Shy?
2: All right, guys. What's going on?
0: I'm uh, I'm all right. So this is okay. I'm going to ask you straight up. Sunday must win for Team Canada.
2: Yes. Yes. <laughs> uh, Great Britain is. Uh, that's a game they have to have for obvious reasons because it, it only gets significantly tougher from there and you know there's a there's a potential pathway for them to the next round with two wins if they emerge from a tiebreaker scenario but realistically they need to go three and one you know the great britain is the game they should have it looks you know the game against colombia looks like a bit of a coin flip Uh, the game against mexico that's the one where you know they've really got to overachieve a little bit and then you know they play the americans and that's Well, you know, whatever happens, happens there. So uh, it all starts with Great Britain. You get that one done, and, you know, then you play it out from there. What
1: did you, in terms of, you know, getting the, like, kind of optimizing how you're going to look in in each of these games, I can certainly understand Cal Quantrill out of the gate in a game you have to (laughs) win against Great Britain. Um, It sounds like 19-year-old Mitch Pratt is going to get the start against the United States. Um, What did you make of that call? It's a fun story, the kid from Newmarket, a a Texas Rangers prospect. But, man, uh, throwing a 19-year-old out there against Team USA feels like a tough draw for Mitch Pratt.
2: Well, it's something that they've done before, right? It was uh, 19-year-old Adam Lowen in 2006 who threw three and two-thirds shutout innings against the Americans, and what finished as an 8-6 Canada win. Uh, it was Jameson Tyon, who was uh, a little bit older. Uh, I believe he was at Double A at that time, uh, starting against the Americans in 2013 in a in a net what finishes a narrow loss in the late innings when the bullpen couldn't get it done. And um, you know, Nick Pavetta was in an important game for Canada, the 2017 uh, WBC against Columbia, getting the start and, and performing well too. So this is something where that's a game the the Canadians, obviously they want to win, but it's not the game they're expecting to win. And they want to sort of line up their best pitchers and the most experienced pitchers for the games that they have the best likelihood to win. Uh, and Mitch Bratt has a chance to be competitive in that game. Because he's gonna throw strikes, he's not gonna shrink from the moment and um you know, he, he's got he can sort of get them through and perhaps keep them in the game and if he elevates a little bit and becomes a bit more of a competitive contest, then all the better.
1: I, I also like the idea that if you trot the 19-year-old out there, it's like, what's the what's the worst that could happen, right? Like, oh, you gave up a bunch of runs to the U.S.? Mm-hmm. Well, who, he's not going to have to carry that forward. Everyone's going to understand if Mike Trout gets some hits off of you. Uh, you, mat- you mentioned Adam Lone, uh starting back in the day as a teenager. You had a terrific piece on Lohan and what he's gone through over the last couple of years at sportsnet.ca earlier this week. Uh, we can ask you some serious and, and touching questions about that, but I'm gonna Ask you a goofy one first. Um, do you see any scenario where Adam Lone plays both sides of the ball in this tournament for Canada?
2: So the Canadians have talked about it a little bit with him, and they said, you know, if there is maybe an emergency scenario or they need someone to in a pinch to, you know, play a little bit in the outfield for an inning or two, or maybe run under a certain extreme scenario that they'd consider doing it. But the plan is that he'll just be used on the mound at this one. And, uh, you know, it's a 13 World Baseball Classic that he was a position player for them. He was yeah. a pitcher for them in 2006, as we mentioned. So, uh, you know, three times uh, in his career he made the major leagues, twice as a pitcher, once as a hitter. Three times he's uh, going to be in the Classic now, and, you know, went, uh, twice as a pitcher and once as a hitter. So a uh, neat little bit of symmetry there for him.
0: No, and he's a great, great story, and again, a, a heart-wrenching one if you go back and read the piece by, by Shai DeViti. Um But yeah, he's a, he's a guy in his late 30s and his prime well beyond him and, and not a factor in um, the major leagues of baseball at this point in his career. Shai, where are we as a country in developing professional baseball players? Like, Should this team be full of, of more talented baseball players?
2: Well, there are a lot of talented baseball players. I think the challenge is uh, partly the the tournament, right? The tournament timing. Because if at different points, you know, you're getting Nick Pervetta. if uh, he's healthy, you're getting Mike Soroka, and if he's healthy, you're getting James Paxton. And you know, maybe Jordan Romano doesn't feel like he needs to lock in on being with the Blue Jays, and Zach Pop and Ron Wick aren't worried about uh, trying to win jobs on the roster, and so you know, that's, that's really the big issue for Canada. And, you know, just it's as a smaller baseball playing country compared to the other countries in this tournament, they just don't have the depth, right? Like you look at the Dominican Republic and them not being, uh, not having Jose Ramirez and Fernando Tatis available actually solves the roster problem for them because now they don't have to worry about what they're going to do with like Wander Franco and, some of their their tremendous talents that they have, you know, like Canada doesn't have that problem. They have the problem where, you know, they lose the frontline guys and it's just not, not as deep a pool. So uh, that is the, really the big issue for, for Canada, but they're tremendous talents coming up every year. And, you know, Mitch Bratt is maybe not a household name just yet, but he's someone who is uh, at the, climbing into a a pretty good career. Um, Matt Brash is someone who's just touched the major leagues but has about as electric stuff as you're going to find. So you've got a a lot of players who are good, are talented, but at different stages and just not as much depth as uh, the other baseball-playing countries.
1: You mentioned some of those guys who maybe for other countries don't go because they're trying to make a roster spot. Um, Canada has... One player, at least, who is playing while trying to earn a roster spot, and he happens to be a Toronto Blue Jay in Otto Lopez. Um, You were... In Dunedin, I believe, before you were in Arizona, um, we've seen Nathan Lucas on the Blue Jays side of things have a pretty good spring training so far. Um, A bit of an open competition for that last Blue Jays roster spot on the position player side, it looks like. Have you gotten a sense of where Otto Lopez fits in that and how participating in the World Baseball Classic hurts, helps, or is neutral toward his roster chances?
2: I think at minimum it's neutral, but it could potentially help him. Uh, the Jays sort of know what he is, right? He's the guy who's going to play a bunch of spots. He's a right-handed bat. Uh, he's got some good speed. He can do any number of different things. It's just a, a good Swiss Army knife type of player. And he fits them if they decide they, or if they feel like they need another right-handed bat and they want a right-handed bat on the bench. And, you know, with, with Lucas, uh, a really good player, probably deserved a call-up last year, didn't get one. Uh, is is going to get one, I'm sure, at some point this year if he doesn't break camp with the team. Uh, but it's, it, he's another left-handed bat, and he's only going to play the outfield for you. So, if you feel like you might need someone, or you'd prefer having someone who can play multiple spots, then Lopez has a bit of an edge. But if they say, you know what, we've got Biggio, we've got Merrifield, we don't need another guy who can bounce around this much. We can take an outfielder only, someone who's going to give us pretty strong defense while doing it, then, then Lucas becomes a bit more of a fit. Uh, the other thing I'd throw in there is that I- I'm sure the Blue Jays will be looking to see what, uh, what type of players shake loose as rosters start getting finalized, and maybe there's a player out there that ends mm. up uh, you know, be joining the team late in camp who's not there right now who ends up becoming the 26th man. So I, I think all those factors are at play there. Um, and I don't think this is going to really impact Lopez's standing uh, or, or hurt it in any way, shape or form. And it may even help it.
1: Who is he? Should I tell us who that guy is that, that might show up
2: yeah. later in camp name names? <laughs> well, I mean, we'll see, right. There's going to be, uh, a lot of guys aren't going to make, uh, I don't think the blue Jays even know who that is at this point. They're just going to see what happens on the waiver wires. Uh, see if there's someone who's just out of options, who isn't going to make a club and, Maybe that maybe that becomes that guy, but they have Lucas and Lopez. They're certainly comfortable with both players. Uh, but you know, teams are always looking, and not not just the Blue Jays.
0: So the the tournament in North America hasn't started yet. It'll start on the weekend. But the the tournament overseas, uh, well attended, and and some fun scenes in in some of those early games of the tournament. And we've heard Mike Trout talk about how he like felt compelled to participate in this year's. World Baseball Classic. Really does feel like there's momentum for this tournament, Shy, are, are you feeling that
2: in Arizona? Yeah, for sure. And look, this tournament isn't really going to ever take off unless the Americans really get behind it. And it happened a little bit in 2017, and then the pandemic killed the momentum because was, was this was supposed to be uh, in 2021, and then it got delayed, and here we are uh, a couple of years late. But You know, The fact that you have Mike Trout playing in it for the first time and saying that he he regretted not being in the 17-1 as he was watching uh, the Americans win it and seeing how much fun they had, that that stuff really matters. And I think you're starting to get more player buy-in. It's still not universal uh, for a good reason. You can understand why players who feel like they're on the bubble of a roster or maybe just signed a, a, a contract, Free agent contract and feel that they need to be in camp with their new teams uh, will take a pass. Some guys just simply don't want to ratchet themselves up in March and play competitive games that early in the season when there's there's still 162 to come. Mm. And I think those are the challenges that people are just going to have to accept. But you know, to me, I get all the criticisms and I get all the complaints, but if you think about just what this is and how much fun it is and how entertaining it ends up being like, who who doesn't want this instead of like cactus and grapefruit league baseball, you know, this is so much more entertaining. There's so much more passion in it. And even with its imperfections and the rules on limiting pitchers and usage and the complications, you know, this is still a good time. And it doesn't have to be perfect. If we just enjoy it as a, a terrific spring offering of baseball then all, more power to it you know i think that's where that's where you really get the connection
1: and i think it's great that this is a year where it seems like the the american player is coming i i know they won in the last one and stroman and adam jones had some fun performances and stuff but it's been thought that one of the reasons it hasn't quite taken off at the level maybe MLB hoped was the U.S. players not jumping in as much. Now, that seems to be behind us. They seem very, very eager for it. Uh, We'll see them against Canada shortly. And then you also get players from some of these other countries that are like, they're not holding back at all. I know you just spoke with Rowdy Tellez. I I know he spoke earlier and and he had to choose between team Israel or team Mexico. And he's talking up not only the youth of Mexico and that they're going to win it all, but that's a guy who sounds every time someone talks to him, very, very fired up. Um, How is, how was your chat with Rowdy Uh, not to spoil too much? And then how much do you think it helps that these guys seem so excited to be playing in this?
2: Yeah, for sure. It's actually funny. I said to Rowdy, I'm like, so how's this compared to a regular spring training? He's like, oh man, I'm going to be with those guys for seven months. I can, use, <laughs> I didn't, I already need a break from them. Mm. Uh, and, and but he's, there's a lot of passion there, and it's different. Guys like being competitive early. Uh, some guys do, right? And you know, Rowdy Telez was saying, you know, he got himself ready. He feels like he's really locked in. Uh, he had four or five hits in one of the uh, exhibition games that he just played. So clearly, he's getting some results already. But for him, he, his family uh, on his dad's side is uh, from Mexico, has Mexican roots. You know, this is a way for him to honor them and honor that part of his background. And there's a lot of passion in these players. Like it means something, uh, especially in in Latin America. You know, you, you see the Dominican team, you see the Puerto Ricans. Uh, you know, Jose Barrios came to camp already with his hair dyed because that's something that the Puerto Ricans did mm. in the last World Baseball Classic, and yeah. uh, he wanted to do it again. And then it turned out that he got the shade of dye wrong, so he ended up tweaking <laughs> oh, no. it, like a, a week into camp or something. So, I mean, it, it tells you how much that it meets him. You're saying that the, the fact that they all dyed their hair really took off back home in Puerto Rico, and they wanted to do it again to get people connected to the tournament you know this is great for baseball and I I know and I've spoken to a lot of executives who absolutely hate the tournament you know they as soon as they let their players go they're basically holding their breath until they get back into in the big league camp and it's certainly stressful in, in that way for them but this is spreading baseball all over the world like Britain is going to get some attention for baseball Mm -hmm. because they have a team in this tournament, Uh, you know, Colombia, Nicaragua, all these, uh, Czech Republic, these non-traditional baseball markets. They'll get some attention and maybe you create a few fans and you create a few players who want to play. And then that leads to more. And that grows your market. If you're major league baseball, because ultimately they're trying to do this to find more paying customers so they can make more money in other parts of the world. But all those things ultimately end up being good for the game. So, you know, I think that's something like a lot of players recognize, Ravi Telez among them, uh, and, and really relishing the experience.
0: Yeah, uh, Canada, Mexico. By the way, uh, wrapping up pool play for Canada on Wednesday. Not the first matchup between these two nations since the big brawl in 2013. So, like, are there any remaining participants from that from that big brawl? Shy, because that was that was something. That was, I think, the the only time, if memory serves, that the, a baseball game of the World Baseball Classic has erupted in a brawl.
2: I believe that is the only one, and uh, I think the Canada still got four players who were there. Nice, uh, Lowen, Axford. Scott Matheson and Andrew Albers, okay. uh, I believe, uh, and the pretty much the entire coaching staff, say for Russ Martin, yeah. uh, was there it, involved in that. I'm not as sh- sure on the Mexican side. I don't, I don't think there's anyone there. Certainly the the main uh, characters in that one, uh, Luis Cruz, uh, uh, Juan Aceves, uh, mm. they they, are, they were not in this uh, in this tournament this time.
0: So you never know what you're going to get uh, when Canada takes to, to the diamond in the yeah. World Baseball Classic. We also don't know what we're going to get just yet
1: of Russell Martin as a coach. He, he obviously managed that one game for the Blue Jays late in the season. Looks like he's having a blast out there being a coach, throwing BP. Um you think managing's in his future? Like, is he getting the, the bug here with a little taste of it, Shy? I,
2: I I think he like he enjoys coaching, certainly enjoys being part of the national team. I don't think he's ready to make the daily commitment required of that just yet i think he's enjoying not being at the ballpark every day but he you put him in this situation and the same with larry walker you know they love this like this they get involved they care uh they love contributing to the younger generation of canadians that are coming up and sharing their knowledge and all that stuff that there's a lot of passion for them uh, about this so uh you know russ uh, russ martin has been working really closely with Bo Naylor. the Cleveland Guardians catcher and mm. sharing his knowledge, and uh, he looks, uh, you know, Bo Naylor's uh, really been really impressive. Uh, Freddie Freeman today was talking about just how much he's ca- caught his eye in the two games as they've played together. He hadn't seen him obviously before this uh, play in person, so you know that that passing of knowledge I think is a big part of the the program that Baseball has put together, and that's part of uh, part of what Larry Walker and, and Russ Martin. Uh, really enjoy about being in this on staff.
0: Well, we'll see if it translates on the field. Sunday against the uh, powerhouse that is Great Britain. Uh, Shy, thanks for doing this. No problem, guys. See ya. Shy Davidi in Arizona getting ready for Canada's WBC opener on Sunday. Pool play opens on Saturday. Oh,
1: we got so much World Baseball Classic. Like, fire up that schedule if you don't want to do anything tomorrow yeah. other than tune in to uh, the Blue Jays spring training game on sports on television, it's one of our simulcast games, as well as on uh, Sports at Five Ninety The Fan. But um, lots and lots of baseball tomorrow—eight games,
0: dude! I, I just love that it's like, and I—I'm I, a pretty good flipper when it comes to television the watching. Best like, I've, I've heard, really? Okay, yeah, I didn't nobody realize changes, that my reputation—nobody changes preceded channels me. like Ben Ennis. I'm like a really good. Yeah, I couldn't tell book. you uh, the a commercial that exists on television. I've no. never seen one and i i know exactly like i have that internal clock yeah. that i know when to go back well fangraphs has clicker plus now yeah. as a stat they've, they've
1: added stuff plus they've added uh pitch bot yeah and they've added clicker plus how yeah. many how many plate appearances per hour yeah. can you watch mm-hmm. on mlb uh, tv or there's at, uh,
0: no doubt that i'm at the very
1: top of the standings oh, when it comes got, to you've got tons of red plus. on your on your yeah. baseballs on your clicker savant page dude and almost
0: no blue yeah <laughs> man especially especially with the, the Raptors out on the West coast with their games starting late and you get a little halftime, you watch a little bit of the halftime, certainly the pregame when it's Blake Murphy, that's, that's spitting the stats at you, but none of that this weekend. Yeah. Uh, which we're all bummed about, but uh, you flip over to Sportsnet and, and watch them the world baseball classic, see some guys that are throwbacks, see some guys who are superstars in Shohei Otani, although he's been playing mostly in the morning. Yeah, it's, it's a, it's, not perfect, right? It's not the best, best on best. But man, haven't look at that American team that they've been fielding in these in these warm up games, and look at the one that's going to take to the field tomorrow as they open up the pool play for real. These are superstars, and there are stars on major on the, uh, the Canadian team. There are major league baseball stars. And Freddie Freeman, of course, prime among them, right? And and Shai Diviti went through a bunch of guys that could be on this team that aren't for for different reasons. I just. It's hard for me as somebody who watched the the Canadians beat the Americans and you know and see an MVP in Joey Votto play for this team and another guy who was a high profile guy and, and Jason Bay and 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 some of the superstars of the sport, which Freddie Freeman is. So he's one. It just it it feels like. We're on a downward trajectory when it comes to producing high-level Major League Baseball players, and that just feels anecdotal, right? Like, I don't have any numbers to to back that up, but you look at this team, and I'm used to going down to Team Canada World Baseball Classic roster and seeing a bunch of guys who are middle-of-the-order bats on playoff teams. And maybe not the Reds. Actually, you can um, dive into. I mean, there are a couple
1: ways to quantify this, right? You can look at major league talent and minor league talent. Um, You can look at youth enrollment rates and stuff like that. I don't have those numbers handy. I've looked at them in the past when Mm. I, you know, I think, uh, you know, when it was uh, the Canada 150 uh, a couple years ago. I did a big thing on those kind of trends, and and baseball was fairly neutral at the time, as basketball and soccer were, you know, had exploded over the the recent years, and and hockey had kind of dipped off just a little bit um there are some logistical and environmental challenges to Canada to baseball in Canada Yeah, look out
0: the window there's some places where you can play baseball right now yeah not
1: here yeah not here um <laughs> you can play it out west maybe a little earlier but you also run into you know uh eighth of this country's population is in Toronto mm-hmm. and uh there are not a lot of baseball fields uh around there's only one Christy Pitt's uh, there's only one of those uh slow oh, pitch diamonds right diamond. down by the water. Um, yeah. what is it? St- yeah, R Stanley Park. Not not Vancouver Stanley Park, not the good Stanley Park. Oh, R R Stanley Park. Um yeah, there are some environmental and logistical challenges and, and then you also run into things like well, if you are baseball as a kind of collective as a governing i know there's not a universal governing body of baseball but Mm. you know how do you incentivize elite athletes into your sport versus into football or basketball or uh individual sports soccer um it's cool those are challenges that we also see on the american side as well and those aren't environmental challenges those are uh you know baseball economically you are like percent you're set up to fail. You're set up to not make a lot of money playing baseball, and that's why uh, a lot of two-sport athletes who do the football-baseball thing give football the try until it's no longer feasible, and then baseball is a backup. I also think baseball part of that is baseball is maybe an easier thing to do jump back into mm. later. Like, I don't think... I think once you stop playing football, you're probably done playing football. I don't yeah. know if any anyone- No, you can
0: play basketball. You, you can uh, win uh, three consecutive NBA titles, and then you, you jump into minor league baseball for a couple of years, and you, uh, hack it, you do pretty well. Like, honestly, Michael Jordan's baseball reference page is like People dunk on him, oh. I suppose, but like, holy cow, like guy hit a bunch of home runs. Now he didn't hit for a high average and didn't walk, but for a guy who, yeah, spent some time playing a different sport
1: at a pretty high level for a while. And yeah, and he had it bad, right? When he struck out, people would tell him, oh, that struck out looked good <laughs> if you remember your space jam. Um, but it, we can use a more recent example of this and, and a story that I, I wrote, um, I think for Vice a couple years back, is Pat Connaughton, who mm. plays for the Milwaukee Bucks, uh, has experience in the Baltimore Orioles minor league system and at one point hit 98 on the gun. And first of all, your path to, if you are even NBA relevant, your path to making good money is far better than living it out in the minor leagues for years on the hopes that you yeah. develop and don't get hurt, especially as a flamethrowing pitcher and stuff like that. But he also told me, yeah, if if one of them wasn't going to work out and you had to turn back to the other one, um, your the athleticism required in basketball is likelier to run out before whatever
0: runs out on the he Probably throws 90 like yeah give him a couple warm up tosses and probably throw 90 right now. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I mean he's still only 30. Yeah. So I I'm, I'm, I'm trying to think of like
1: the the radar readings Axford's been putting up. Yeah. He was, I think he I think he said he he could hit 92 still. There you go. He's the guy yeah. who was an upper 90s guy in his prime but Yeah. yeah he and he's a, he's also 10 years older than Pat Connaughton. So, yeah. Um, I mean, there's a lot that goes into this. It's unfortunate that it does seem anecdotally like maybe Canada isn't producing less, but other non-elite baseball countries are producing a bit more. So well, in relative also, terms,
0: th- it looks like you're we're the one behind. We're the only other nation outside of the United States that has a major league baseball team in its country for now. I, I I
1: really think that should, I know there are a ton of logistical and political hurdles and stuff like that, that would have to be overcome, but the NBA has hinted at like expansion into Mexico, possibly the G league already plays in Mexico. I can't imagine if the world baseball classic continues to have success and, and yeah. major league baseball continues to see the international growth of the game as a way to make up for the stagnancy domestically. Um, why wouldn't you have
0: a major yeah. league team in Mexico? There's no yeah, time zone challenges. There's no travel challenges. No, why wouldn't you, put you them in that? there
1: with the Texas teams? Like yeah. if you expanded, you'd have to redo divisions anyway and, yeah. and expand to 32, but I don't see why Mexico couldn't have a, couldn't have a team. I, I'm I would imagine there are other you now, you go further down than Mexico, you get some more logistical challenges, but you're telling me I, I know the main metro cities are not as big, but kind of think Dominican and Puerto Rico would support a team too. Let's start with Mexico city and go from there. Um, (laughs) Maybe the Padres become like the, the Tijuana San Diego Padres (laughs) or something like that. But I I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that if major league baseball expands to 32 in the
0: next couple of years, one of those teams is not in the U S or Canada. Yeah. You get a major league baseball team in the Dominican Republic. I think you see a lot of major league baseball players hold off on signing extensions (laughs) with
1: their teams. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. And, and this is this is it. The Dominican Republic na- uh, National World Baseball Classic <laughs> team wins like eight World Series in a row when they just decide, you know, no, no, no yeah. we're, this we'll, is where we'll we're playing now. We'll
0: take the league minimum, yeah, yeah whatever. <laughs> Who cares? Uh, all right, when we come back, uh, let's talk to, oh, I don't know, the 1992 World Series MVP. Let's do that. Pat Borders next as the fan drive time continues. Ben Annis, Blake Murphy, Sportsnet 590, The Fan
3: discussing the
1: biggest stories that matter to Toronto sports fans.
0: The Fan Morning Show with Ailish Forfar and Justin Cuthbert.
1: Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or
3: wherever you get your podcasts.
0: Fan Drive Time, Sportsnet 59 The Fan, Ben Ennis, Blake Murphy. You should always listen to Toronto Blue Jays spring training action on SportsNet 590 The Fan. Uh but you were especially delighted earlier this month when Pat Borders was doing the color commentary alongside our very own Ben Wagner. Uh the 1992 World Series MVP joins us on the line right now. How's it going Pat? How y'all doing tonight? Doing doing very well. Uh how did you enjoy uh, calling some spring training baseball? <laughs>
3: Well, I tell you what, I haven't had the the jitters and the adrenaline rush since I played. It was it was exciting for me, and it's uh, that that was a, that was a blast. And Ben made it very easy in uh, any kind of transition into a conversation with me and him. He he was a very very good professional and good guy for me to be with uh, initially.
0: Now yeah, he did a great job. Um, who anybody stand out for you? Because I was going through the box score in that game and the Blue Jays uh, put it on the tigers. Um, any, anybody stand out from that game or, or spending some time down in Dunedin, uh, that maybe people aren't super familiar with.
3: Yeah, there's a couple of them that, uh, Lopez kid, uh, really impressed me with his back control it was he hit the ball the opposite way at will. You could tell he was trying to, he tried to pull the last, last of the bat, I believe it was, and he had him set up for it. I thought it was a really advanced way of thinking for a younger kid like that. And he, he accomplished it really well. Another, another kid was, uh, Uh, Thornton, I thought he was very interesting. All the pitchers threw well that day, but he kind of stood out in my mind, not because of his stuff, because he located the ball really well, and he he threw from an angle that was difficult for batters to pick up. I think he might be an asset down the road.
1: Um, So with respect to Lopez, you mentioned the back control, the the kind of advanced approach at the plate. When you think of the type of guy that fits well at the end of a a roster, a guy who's probably not going to play every day, maybe not get a ton of plate appearances. um, How much does just a a smart workman-like good approach guy fit that role versus, you know, someone who maybe hits a couple dingers, but you don't know what you're going to get from them every day?
3: Well, you want the home runs, obviously, and (laughs) there's there's plenty of reasons why numerically you want that. But there's also an asset in a kid to control, control the barrel of the bat, hit the ball the other way, hit some holes, frustrate some pitchers with some good pitches, maybe hitting a little, a little ground ball the opposite way with the, the type of shift that they're doing right now. Uh, that, that's, that's a possibility, I think. And uh, the psychological damage you're doing to a pitcher, you give up a, a weak hit the other way for a single, it makes him stay out there a little bit longer. It makes him stress out. Uh, if you happen to get on second base, then you get another another type of stress situation—a single scoring. So th- those kind of things pay play dividends down the road, not necessarily that particular bat, but just the stress you put on a little pitcher on the mound that day.
0: Pat, um, I, I wonder how much having a World Series mentality, how, how important that is, and you would know what that would look like uh, being in spring training for a, a couple of World Series champions in the early '90s. So much of the conversation around this Blue Jays team was about changing maybe not the mentality, but just becoming a more professional group. What was your sense of of the tenor and and comparing them to to some teams that you played on that won World Series? How does this group compare?
3: Uh, Actually, there's a lot of comparisons, and and they're they're positive comparisons. I I remember uh, prior to us winning, we came into spring training talking about winning the World Series, not getting to the, the American League championship or not winning the American League and play, playing in the, the World Series. It was getting to the World Series and winning. it. And that kind of mentality from day one was really preached to us, and I, th- I think it had a, had a long positive effect on us, uh, especially over the, you know, the course of the 162 games. It didn't start it off well. And a second place, losing in the World Series would be completely unacceptable at the time, and I think you got that feeling with these kids. Last year, they got in the playoffs. They got some additions, kind of similar to what uh, happened in the nineties. The, in uh, the, the front office has displayed they will go out and spend some money if they need to fill a spot later in the year, if someone goes down, or they just find a weakness they, they need to fill. I feel like they will go go get somebody, and that helps a team win when they know when they know they that they have the the, the front office will do anything to win. I, and I feel that's very similar. One other uh, similarity would be the the amount of people that came up through the minor leagues. I, I talked about that a little bit, a little bit the other day when you're, when you play in the minor leagues, it's a, it's a special bond that you can't recreate in the big leagues. Uh, you, you might live in a, I recall living with five players in a, in a two bedroom apartment and you get really close, very protective guarded. You know, the players inside and out and you become very close. I, I see that with this team because a lot of them came up together. I, I saw them uh, when I was with the Phillies uh, playing, playing against them in Dunedin and, and a lot of these kids work together, the whole the, the, their whole upbringing through the minor leagues.
1: Well, not only the players, but manager John Schneider came up with a lot of these guys through the minors as well. He skews on the younger side for for a manager. Um, how important can, can that relationship be? The fact that, yes, this is a new and, uh, at, at least at the major league, less experienced manager, but it's someone who knows a lot of these guys who have come up through the system very intimately. How much can
3: that help? Well, the thing, the thing I see, I think that you can't fool, you can really fool one kid, but you can't uh, trick the whole team collectively. They will figure you out as a manager if you try to just, you know, pull the wool over their eyes. And I think that he's already displayed to them he cares, and they find that out, and they'll play harder for you. They'll play that they don't want to lose for you. And I, I have that sense that they have that with with him at the, at the helm.
0: Pat, uh, this Blue Jay team seems to have an advantage at the position you used to play. Uh, they got a couple of, of of great catchers. I mean, from the defensive side and obviously the offensive side as well. Like, what what was your sense of? I guess Alejandro Kirk was not at camp when when you were there, but but Danny Jansen and the advantage the Blue Jays have behind the plate.
3: Wow, what a what a duo that is! You have two two guys there that can step. Into the locker room of another team and start and play every day and do well, either one of them, so if you have any problem, someone gets you know a, a, a little a little injury, nagging something you have to set out, you have the other person, whoever it may be, can step in and do a great job. What I've noticed with them is both of them have some creativity when they when they call a game uh, Kirk reminds me of. Kirby Puckett, you know, with not only in his physique because he is similar in, in, in his stature, but the, the ability to control the bat head like he did and hit it with power too. Uh, Jensen, I think he goes up with a super advanced plan, even at his age, about hitting. It, it, as a catcher, you can kind of get a sense of what 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 hitters are doing. And everything I've seen about him is a very good approach. And he's, he's, he's got power. You, you, he hit the, in the neighborhood of double digits home runs last year. I don't know what off the top of my head. But if you put him in there every day, there's no telling how many home runs either one of them will hit. I think I, it, it's not even getting in a throwing. I mean, the the, the short footwork that uh, that Jensen has and gets rid of the ball. And then uh, Kirk with his athleticism. and you, Kirby Puckett was very athletic, and I I think he is very similar to him in his athleticism. He moves very well great hand-eye coordination uh a fun player to watch
1: so when you look at those two defensively obviously again they do it very differently like they do on the offensive side um we see one who's a little more uh, on one knee and steady and it's more about the framing low in the zone. Danny Jansen, obviously a a very good blocker. That's something that now we can, you know, we have some, some analytics and some stats for that, but um, you got a close look at, at least Jansen. And I know you're familiar with Kirk, Um, two guys who come about it pretty differently defensively. Do you have a style that, you know, you prefer you or you would prefer a catcher to take behind the plate or is it kind of whatever works for the individual?
3: I think you said it exactly right at the end. There's some some guys that block better off one knee. Strangely enough, it doesn't appear to be that way. And there's others that block better uh, in in a traditional stance. Uh, both 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 catchers are outstanding with a lot of different. I tell you what, I saw the other day in, in Detroit, the opposing ca- uh, catcher, he, he a ball got by him, and nothing happened really to damage in the, the game but it affected the pitcher's ability to be aggressive with the next pitch. And he tentatively went after the next couple of pitches because he didn't want to bounce, the dirt, bounce it in the dirt and get away. Hmm. What Jensen does is block the ball really well, and it gives the pitcher more confidence. So when he does throw the next pitch, he can really get aggressive with it and not worry about bouncing the dirt because sometimes that's what you want, a chase pitch in the dirt. So you're to get a more quality pitch out of the pitcher psychologically for blocking the ball well and him knowing that you you blocked the ball well
0: uh how would you have uh, reacted to the pitch com era pat because we've, we've now seen it go back both ways now like the pitcher can call his own game from the mound with with the little receiver how would you react to that
3: uh kind of a mixed bag there's 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 some benefits to it that the pitcher and the catchers don't have to uh Get to know each other as well, and, and think along and click with each other. There's, I recall, you know, catchers and pitchers not getting along, not liking each other. that way they call, call pitches. Uh, it's, it's, it takes a part of the game out of it with uh, pauses and uh, holds and step offs and different things. There's, uh, you know, for example, you, you 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 would get a a batter that fouls off a really good pitch three two fouls off another pitch three two. Uh, then you try to come in on with a fastball. He pulls one foul. He's locked in really well. A simple, a simple t- set tactic against that would be to have the pitcher stand on the mound, stare in, mm-hmm. not shake. No, not shake. Yes. <laughs> until the pet batter steps out. And then that kind of breaks up his, his mental rhythm. And the more times than not, I would say a, a very high percentage, you get a take strike three after that, when you, you slow him down and speed him up. So that, that, that part of the game, uh, Uh, I I liked and enjoyed that may take away from that, but overall uh, it'll speed up the game and and make the transition from catcher to pitcher, uh, knowing each other a little bit quicker.
0: Yeah. It's the price we pay for being uh, able to to go to to dinner for like 10 o'clock. So, you know, it's worth it, I guess Uh, (laughs) Pat, uh, great job on the broadcast. Thanks for doing this today. Appreciate it.
3: Oh, my pleasure. Anytime.
0: Thanks Pat. There's Pat borders, 1992, World Series MVP and a man whose face is on a poster in my office because it was my childhood poster that I had in my room. Pat Borders, World Series MVP, who's my sporting hero growing up. I was a catcher in, in Little League. I don't know if I've, I've mentioned this to you. Last time I had Pat on, I mentioned it to the listeners, but yeah, did you know that Pat Borders was my guy? I did
1: not, nor did I know that you were a catcher in Little League.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's cool. Does that help inform who I am, do you think?
1: No. I think it's, I mean, I already respect your baseball opinions a lot and enjoy talking <laughs> baseball with you. And if I were to guess a position that I would enjoy talking baseball with, it would be catcher. So yeah. it maybe makes sense, but it doesn't, uh, doesn't change anything. If you were like a terrible person to talk baseball with, I might be like, you were a catcher. Yeah. Like,
0: can you go man left field or, or be a DH or something like that? Really? I don't know. Uh... DH. Yeah. Not a lot of DHs in little league baseball, but, um. So Pat actually hit on something that I hadn't thought about, but that's that's a part of that is an intricacy of the game that doesn't exist anymore the 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 just waiting a guy out right so, and we can all envision that moment that he's discussing right there where you just mess with somebody's timing like okay. you just try and get in their head. Is it gone, or is it just the the leverage points have shifted because we've
1: heard Chris bassett talk about how he's going to um change his tempos and and yes, the batter knows at a certain point. You, you have, have to, to throw, throw the ball, it. but there's an eight second yeah. window in there where like, if the batter pushes it to the last second and the pitcher's like, you know what, I'm going to push it to the last second. That's eight seconds is a long time to just stand there thinking about it. Um, I don't know. Like, I, I get it. We can't have the long, long, long stare down The grab the ball, do a little walk around the mound, mm-hmm. uh, make the hitter think about it and, and kind of catch Small your price bread. to pay though, small price to pay. And I, I think that, you know, it seems different right now, but it's just going to move the Points that we're we're talking about where, yeah, maybe that was uh, an endless time before and a quick pitch was considered um, poor play or poor sportsmanship or whatever. Mm. Dirty pool Mm. is the phrase I was looking for there. Um, And now it's well, the quick pitch might be a a little more normal and waiting a guy out till the end of the buzzer, um, you know, even trying to wait him out early in the plate appearance to the end of the clock to try to bait his time out out of him. Yeah. I could see Chris Bassett doing that. <laughs> yeah. You know, like throw you throw quick pitch the first one, and if you get him yeah. and you think you can get him thinking, really wait it out the next time and make him use that disengagement. Yeah. It's the same thing with on the bases. I, and I don't have the numbers handy. I, I don't even know that we – Count pickoff attempts. They might have to now because it's it's a disengagement. But I don't know that we've ever known like pickoff success rate. Just the actual times you're successful picking off. It has felt like the rate of pickoffs hasn't changed really. Even though you'd think it would go down, because I would of, say
0: I've seen a couple of successful pickoffs from guys that are not like John Romano picked a guy off. Give me a mm-hmm. break, Kevin Gossman. Kevin Gossman, up. the slowest <laughs> delivery. Going. Simmer down, Kevin.
1: Yeah, it's and that's cool. Bobashek got picked off at second base the other day. Mm-hmm. Um, so what I think is happening right now is, and my explanation for that would not necessarily be that pitchers have gotten better at picking off, but. I think base runners are trying to bait yep. that disengagement yep. out of a pitcher early in a plate appearance because if a pitcher can't throw over anymore and, and they can throw over, but yeah. you're, you're risking a ball if you don't get the guy out. If I'm a base runner and my hitter at the plate is okay with his back control, he doesn't mind going later into the, the pitch clock, he doesn't mind you know maybe having to, to waste the pitch or foul one off or whatever, similar to how you'd operate a hit and run. If my hitter is okay with that and I'm comfortable with my ability to get back to the bag, I want that pitcher using that disengagement early, not only because it helps the hitter but it's going to be a lot easier to run on first movement yeah. if you know that pitcher can't come over with it
0: well and I think some of the base running uh the the pickoffs that you were' referencing that have happened already in spring also involve the base runner thinking that the pitcher is low to throw over because they mm-hmm. don't want to use like even the, the first one because you only get two free ones before the third one costs you a balk yeah i i I think that's a that's a really interesting component uh to major league baseball in 2023
1: here's the other thing that maybe we'll see a little bit more of and I, and I don't know i don't know if it if it will because it's like a bit of a convoluted way to look at it but i do wonder if keeping a run, holding a runner to first base becomes even more the purview of the catcher where you're seeing some of those back pick plays oh yeah for sure not only because that's a way to keep the runner on buys your pitcher a little bit more time before that clock starts.
0: That's a great, great point.
1: Yeah. Are we going to see that
0: after every single pitch with a runner on first base? I mean, if, if you're, if you're one of those guys who throws hundred miles an hour
1: and you need a <laughs> yeah. breather
0: between a little lob to first base as yeah. uh, a pickoff attempt. Yeah. Can't fall. I'm not trying to skirt the rules I here. I thought he was stealing. And I threw <laughs> it at the second base. <laughs> That's Albert pool. on free. Whatever. I thought it was strike three. I was just going around the horn with it. Yeah. Uh, you wasted too much time. I don't know. Do we have enough time to talk about Stuff Plus and some of the new fan graphs? No, metrics? we can
1: save it for money. Maybe we get Eno on to, to walk us through some of it or, or something like that right. or, or Mike Petriola to do some of the catcher stuff. What a
0: time to be a baseball nerd, though, with all the, the news. St- like, you thought you were inundated with, with baseball stats before. Well,
1: I'm a little upset at the timing because I'm pretty deep down uh, trying to figure out um, – I mean, this machine learning and data engineering project that I'm working on. And right. now I've got all these new stats that I could input, but I'm too far down and, and I'm not good enough at it and fast enough at it yet to just be like, oh, here's a whole bunch more stats what? to drop in and, and figure out. So uh, I wish this had come earlier or later, but yeah, it's fine.
0: Sometimes I feel like I relate to you. And then sometimes you say like, oh, yeah, no, know this little project I'm working on, you know, machine learning, data entry, whatever it is like. And then, yeah, that's what you do in your free time. But, uh, I don't know. Yeah. We I mean, feel this like, is what
1: it looks like. That, that's I, saw a I saw your tweet. I saw
0: your tweet. Instagram, just,
1: yeah. I haven't been or, tweeting about it because I don't want all the... Someone to steal it? No, I don't want all the <laughs> nerds that I'm friends with to be like, hey, man, um, you could just ask us to do this. I, I know I could just ask oh. you to do it. I'm trying to learn for myself, uh, trying to figure some of this stuff out on my own. And I'm actually, I'm going to make the very bold move this year of, and I know nobody cares about anyone else's fantasy team. Mm-hmm. I'm going to use my own projections through this project that I'm working on uh, to that'll fuel my fantasy baseball strategy. I'm just I'm going to trust the work that I'm doing. And if I have the worst fantasy baseball season of all time, Whatever. I'll blame It'll it on uh, a learning expense. Yeah, and uh, if I have the best, then I'm 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 quitting the show. I'm going to sell my projections. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to be the new Fangraph stat. It'd be Blake plus will be what, the
0: projections. Do you, you have a, Do you have a name for it? Like you nah. thought about the the yeah you know, the, the rollout of this thing nah. the marketing. Well, it's element. just for me. There's no I don't need to have a rollout yet. It's just for me for this year. Yeah, for now. But like you haven't you haven't you yeah, little daydreaming thinking about you know what this. The thing is,
1: is, I won't know how effective it was until the season ends. Oh, okay. Oh, Can't okay. be like ten games into the year, be like oh, I knew Otto Lopez would hit two fifty over his first twenty plate appearances. All right, off so the we'll, bench.
0: we'll wait for twenty twenty four, and then you can roll it out. Yeah.
1: Also, here's here's what I'll say. I will find some convoluted way to name it after whoever. Like whichever guy my projections like the most versus industry average and ends up being correct, I'll find a way to work the name around that. So if, if it's Otto Lopez, who my projection ends up loving and ends up being really good, I'll find some sort
0: of acronym to call it Otto. I've I've never been more in on Otto Lopez than after Pat Borders says he's in on Otto Lopez. So, yeah. yeah, let's let's do it. And now apparently I'm I'm hooking him to my
1: projection system, <laughs> my my very crude machine learning. Uh, get it done, Otto.
0: All right, uh, time for last call. Brought to you by Bet Rivers. It's a whole new game. Raptors in Crypto. dot com arena yet again who played the Los Angeles Lakers, and despite being on the road and playing a team that does have an Anthony Davis is playing real well, the Raptors are favored in this one. Hmm. Minus two and a half point favorites. Uh, totals for Raptors players, OG Ananobi, 13 and a half. Scotty Barnes, 15 and a half. Jakob Pertl, 13 and a half. And you know what? Oscars, best picture. Everything, everywhere, all at once. Man, this is a big number. Minus 2,000 to win Best Picture. That's a lot of minus. It is. And that was last call. Brought to you by Bet Rivers. It's a whole new game. Will you watch the Oscars, Blake Murphy? Mm, when are they on? Sunday at like 8. Eh, TBD. All right. You'll consume it the way most people do through like little short. YouTube videos or social media. Yeah, I assume there'll be sports on. Yeah, there will be.
1: I All don't right. uh there's a what do we got? Oh, yeah, we got Knicks
0: Lakers Sunday night. Canada Great Britain. Oh, that's in the afternoon. All right. Have a great weekend everybody. We'll be back on Monday. Bye-bye.